Welcome, welcome, welcome back. This is a new week, so I'm going to hit you guys with a new episode of No Truths Barred. And this is episode 10. Believe it or not, I am 10 episodes deep in this podcast. And I want to take a brief period to thank each and every single person that's clicked the like button, that's uh, commented, that's shared content, that speaks highly of the podcast. I definitely thank you and I welcome you guys back. A lot of people said welcome back to their podcast, but it's just a formality. I'm saying it because I truly mean it and I appreciate uh, anybody that I can call some semblance of a fan. And also, definitely feel free to give your uh, input, uh, perspectives, or just share on the argument or the conversation that you would like to engage in. Uh, And also, make sure you're following me on all of my social media outlets. So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can follow me on all three at Hoyt, H-O-Y-T, underscore K-W-A-K-U, underscore Timmons. And once again, this is episode 10 of No Truths Barred. Oh, and a side note, if you have missed any, let me repeat, if you had, if you have missed any of the first nine episodes of No Truths Barred, you can go to soundcloud.com slash No Truths Barred, or if you subscribe to Spotify, you can go to your Spotify app and you can uh, type in No Truths Barred. And all of the most recent episodes uh, should be able to come up. So go ahead and make sure you listen, click, download, and share. So, you know, I love uh, every week I get to share my perspective with you guys. I get to talk about things that maybe aren't uh, involved in, in normal conversation. Or maybe sometimes they are, but we need to have a, a augmented perspective on how we discuss such issues. So I'm thinking... I don't want to ever be so stoic and so objective that there's no transparency between myself and you, the listener. And for this week's episode, episode 10, I want to touch on something that I feel is is very much relevant to all of us. And and it's something that is very much relevant to youth, uh, adults, senior citizens. But I want to do it from a different perspective where it's a little bit more personal so I can give you not only my wisdom and knowledge on this particular topic, but also some of my personal experience, experience, excuse me. And I believe in full transparency on each one of these episodes. So episode 10 is a short, sweet story of a financial illiterate part one. Let me repeat that. Episode 10 is a short, sweet story of a financial illiterate part one, because there will be a part two to this. I was drawn to talk about this subject because of events that have transpired, have transpired, excuse me, in my life over the past several years. And I'll be the first to admit that. I am not the most financially literate person. So let's do this. When people say financial literacy or being financially literate, exactly what uh, does that mean to be financially literate? So it it means several things. One, uh, to be able to budget. Two, 
what to do with your money, how to build a savings, uh, how to invest your credit score. Um, how do you boost your credit score, producing wealth, residual income, passive income, all of these different things, knowing the difference between a liability and an asset. Uh, all of these things constitute knowing uh, being financially literate and being able to make sure that you're doing you're taking the necessary steps to proliferate your financial standing. Because really what you want ultimately in life is financial autonomy. And if I could go all the way back, you know, I, I, I think about what we were taught was important in high school. The things that we were taught to really memorize and things that would appear on these standardized tests, such as the SOL, you know, you're talking about all of this arcane history and abstract mathematics to a certain degree, depending on what you took in uh, in high school. But you're never really given, excuse me, you're never really given applicable knowledge that you can use in the real world. And the onus, I believe, is on the school system to prepare people to become uh, functional members of society. Of course, you get that at home and your family as well. But for you to go out here into society, it would behoove you to know exactly how to function, how to budget um, your credit score. How can you how do you properly use credit cards? These are things that in high school we were never taught. I don't ever remember those sorts of conversations. And the conversation always dealt around when you talk to a guidance counselor or you talk to a teacher, the conversation is always around uh, straight up academics, what college you plan on going to after you leave high school. This is what the nature and the dynamic of the conversation was centered around. Financial literacy was rarely talked about. I never even heard of the term financial literacy in high school. And I would argue that neither have my friends, many of my friends who attended high school with me, did any of us actually hear the term or what the definition of financial literacy is. And growing up, the way I thought about finances was you work a job, you pay your bills, and you possibly save money. I was also taught that credit cards were bad and you should never get credit cards. I also was taught that credit cards can be good. And both and both sides of that particular spectrum make very good points because a credit card used improperly, which I've done, can be a bad thing. A credit card used properly, um, which I've semi-done as well, <laughs> Can be a great thing for you and for your credit score. And I made, you know, because of ignorance, I made a lot of poor financial decisions. I would say probably the worst financial decisions that I've made in my entire life is the decision to actually go to college. From a monetary and a financial perspective, I'm not talking about from a uh, like from the edification of my intellect or meeting diverse minds or whatnot. I'm not talking about that from that perspective, but I'm saying that if you're looking at it strictly under the context 
of financial literacy, making smart financial decisions, going to college, or at least going to college and majoring what I majored in was part of my financial ignorance. Now you ask, wait, what did you major in? Uh, I majored in history and I did a lot of stuff with Homeland Security, uh, took a, quite a few cor- uh, credits um, in religious studies as well. So I had a really dynamic and a diverse transcript when you look at the, the sorts of classes that I took. But I still say that financially it wasn't the best idea because this is what you want. If I was to go to a bank and I wanted a business loan, I would have to have a business plan. Not only would I have to have a business plan, I would also have to already possess a decent credit score. And maybe in addition to my credit score, in order to receive the loan from the bank, I would need some sort of collateral as well. Well, with a student loan, it's not any of that. You just get the student loan. Now, in theory, if I'm getting a loan for, let's say, school or let's say a business, you want to look at your ROI. It's an acronym. ROI is return on investment. This is something I didn't pay attention to. This is and I'm I want to I'm going to go through three of my big financial blunders. Um, when I looked at the student loan, I didn't pay attention to the return on the investment. So to be even more candid, I owe about $34,000 in student loans. And that's the principal. So the interest will jack that up a little bit more. So let's say uh, I'm somewhere I'm probably I might be somewhere around about $36,000, $37,000 in student loans that I still owe currently. Okay. Now, if I was to go and get a $37,000 business loan, I could potentially start a store, an uh, an e-business, anything. And what will happen is that I actually have a commodity or a service or a skill that I can market and therefore begin to develop or uh, get a return on my investment. Now, in theory, when you look at a student loan, the argument is that because you're more educated, because you have um, more skill sets, you've developed a deeper level, a deeper level of acumen and critical thinking that the degree, the ROI will be in the opportunities that are given to you by said degree. That's all theory. That's theoretical. But if you get a a loan to actually start a business or something that's going to generate revenue for you, you can actually begin to see something tangible as to as to how soon you can actually pay off that particular debt and not only uh, pay off that particular debt. How do you make money so that you have more resources to do more things? The reason why I say I cite number one as my student loans as you know, my first big blunder is because 
I still haven't seen the return on the the return on my investment with the student loan. I got behind on my student loans because I was it was a period where I was going between jobs. And so I really fell drastically behind on my student loans, which in turn affected my credit score. And then furthermore, your student loans are the only loans that you cannot file under bankruptcy. So they are there no matter what happens, no matter if you lost your job, if you lost 25 jobs, there's no way you can get from under your student loans. And because of that, financially, it was not the best decision. Furthermore, with the degree that I received, it's not a specialized degree. So if you get a degree or you learn a specific trade in the marketplace, you're being paid for a skill. A specialized skill is what you're being paid for. And I think many of us students who go into communications, who go into poli sci, who go into history, who go into, um, I mean, you pick any, any of the, the arts or some of the business majors that aren't specialized, you don't really get to reap the full reward of having that certification because the market values scarcity, which brings me to another point. And I'm going I'm, I'm not going to digress, I promise you. But if we're looking at all of these people who have degrees. So, for example, um, my alma mater, which was uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, this past academic year, which would have been fall of 2018 to spring of 2019. This past year, I believe something like thirty four thousand students were admitted uh, to Virginia Commonwealth University. So now let's think about that. Think about all of the colleges and universities that we have across the country. And every every spring and every uh, uh, fall, most universities have two graduations. So you have, I would argue, possibly hundreds of thousands of people graduating with bachelor's degrees. Uh, and now more and more people are going after a master's. And you have so many of these people coming out into the marketplace that it oversaturates it oversaturates the market with bachelor's degrees. So then, then the next conundrum that you find yourself in is how do you differentiate yourself from your peers when you both have the same piece of paper? And all of these reasons reasons tied into why I feel and I know that the student loans were one of my worst financial blunders. And what I wish I precipitated me accepting getting a student loan is one I really learned about the ramifications of a student loan, how it can't really be taken off. Uh, you can't really uh, get rid of it under bankruptcy. How can it, how it can affect uh, your credit score? These are all things that I wish I had took the time myself because I don't feel like it was no one else's responsibility, but I really should have took the time myself uh, to really educate myself on, on those particular situations and just to make sure that uh, that this was the right choice for me. And in the long run, was this the right choice for me? So I, 
hold on, folks. I, I've got to take a swig of this water. I'm, you know, hold on. Uh, oh, that was good. But, <laughs> but yes, that's, that's probably my number one. Um, and, and, and to, to I'm going to, I'm going to move, I'm going to start to move away from that, but I think many of us that went to college, we were under the, the, the delusion that this would provide us that, that boost to another, uh, strata of class within this society. And unfortunately, I feel like what many of us found out is that that's not necessarily the case. And that actually you're pushing yourself further down the economic chain because you have this mountain of debt that you're trapped under. And some people are going to be trapped under it for the next five years, the next 10 years. And some people may never pay off their debt, especially if you get into like six figure level debt. Some of those people will not. Up next Bad financial decision I made. Once again, a short, sweet story of a financial illiterate part one is a credit card. So I got a pretty, pretty decent job and, you know, I'm making some okay money. I say, hey, you know what? I want to go and get a credit card. And I got a credit card and my limit on my credit card was, I think, like four. The limit, my limit on my credit card was like $4,000 on my credit card. And I didn't really understand the concept of credit. I didn't understand, uh, I think it's called debt. It's debt to usage ratio. And this is how also how um, the three major credit uh, bureaus, how they, um, how they, they weigh in on your, how this particular ratio weighs in on your credit score. And so I didn't really know. So I had my credit card. Um, I will say this. I wasn't one of those people that was just wilding out buying flat screens and getting sneakers and uh, doing all of this crazy stuff. But but, you know, you were kind of it's kind of the thing of the small things add up. So you get some groceries here. You go out to a restaurant here, you know, buy some clothes here. You may buy this and do this and do that. Um, sometimes you might because of a situation you might have to use your credit card as a cash advance to pay a bill. Uh, and you have a lot of people that they max out their credit card because sometimes that credit card was the only way that they were able to pay a bill or maybe the only way they were able to get food for that particular day. Um, I'll be honest, I've been there. So a lot of times people are not maxing out credit cards because they're criminal, they're negligent, they're lazy, but sometimes due to extrinsic circumstances and the circumstances of life, you're kind of forced into using a credit card to its absolute limit. And that was really my second worst one because I didn't understand that Although this credit limit is $4,000, the reality is that if you have a credit card that the credit limit, the max is $4,000, you need to treat your credit card, your limit is really about $400. I didn't understand this. This was something that I just didn't understand as far as 
you know, my credit score, excuse me, my credit, uh, yeah, my credit score and uh, just how you supposed to properly use a credit card. Because if you use a credit card correctly, it can be your friend. It could be something that will uh, enhance your credit score and open up more doors for you. So that way, when it comes time to get a vehicle, your APR, um, your annual percentage rate, the interest that you pay on your vehicle will be far lower than, say, someone who has uh, a worse credit score. But, you know, these are things that I was ignorant of. And once again, I was ignorant of them because of my own accord. And I never really sat and took the time to uh, research and see exactly what it is I need to do to properly handle a credit card. What is an APR? Uh, how do interest rates affect things? Uh, how does maxing out your credit card affect uh, procuring loans or or um, or credit cards or other things on a different level, because now you even have jobs that will look up your credit history. You have um, not just even jobs, but you have um, apartments. You know, if you want to find a place to live, you have to have a certain credit score in certain in certain regards. So it's it's really important. And I just think financial literacy as a whole uh, it's not really emphasized from uh, elders, adults, down to children and teenagers. You know, we kind of are going through life blinded and not really aware of the dynamics and the nuances involved in your credit score, involved in what type of loans you take out, uh, involved in student loans. You know, because I always argue that we live in a debt society and so many of us don't have the money to go out here and buy a $40,000 car or to buy this particular item outright. So we, we, we do credit, we finance things. And what happens is that you continuously have to work and do other things that you may not necessarily like to do to support this lifestyle, the habit, uh, the, the various amenities that you have, your car, etc. And you get kind of caught in this momentum. I wouldn't say debt is bad. You don't want it. But if you are astute about your situation and really informed about how to use a credit card, um, not maxing shit out, you can really use it for the better and, and benefit yourself. You know, um, but I, I would say this uh, in addition to the credit card. What you also want to do, um, just my advice and just something I've been doing over the past two years is that once a year, you're allowed to, for free, you're allowed to get your free credit score. I believe you can go to uh, freecreditreport.com. Free, uh, free you're able to get your credit score and you can look at your uh, credit score from all of, so from Equifax, TransUnion, and Equifax, TransUnion. And what is the other one? Experian. You can look at your credit score. Um, and also, if there are certain delinquencies on your credit score or certain charges that you don't recognize, you can actually contest those. And you can write a letter to get those um, to the particular company that put that on your 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 um, your credit history. You can kind of contest that and get it removed. Uh, definitely lowering your credit card usage can can you know, help your, your credit score. Um, 
It's just a lot of things that you can do. But once again, if we're if you're not really informed, you really don't know about these things. And as a young man that was getting a four thousand dollar credit card and student loans, I just wasn't educated. Uh, my third and final blunder financially, and I'm a, I'm going to preface this particular blunder by saying, if you are starving on the street and you have to sneak into a trash can to get a loaf of bread, you're better off. If you have to sell your German shepherd to feed yourself and keep your lights on, you're better off. If you have to sell stale underwear to feed yourself and to keep your car, you're better off. What are you better off then? You're better off doing those things than getting a payday loan. Listen, payday loans are extremely predatory. They have insanely high interest rates. And the way they're designed is that it's like you cannot, you can almost never pay them off. And I'll say this, the biggest thing I could say about it was that it's just not worth it. Um, you get into a situation or a bind where you can't really pay them off. Um, it, the interest just it's not fluctuating. It's not going anywhere and it doesn't help. And it's a huge liability, you know, because if you go to your credit union or your bank and you get yourself a loan, you continue to make the payments and eventually the loan is paid off, but not with a payday loan. And you have people, um, you know, there's been lawsuits brought up against some of these payday loan companies. Uh, there are people out here that, uh, have been paying on payday loans for years with like no end in sight. And it's extremely predatory and it's extremely, uh, it should be illegal to charge people that sort of interest. I think I, I read somewhere that uh, payday loans charge like a, a 60% interest rate, like something crazy like that. I could be wrong. Please correct me if you're listening to this podcast and you happen to be in the payday loan industry, feel free to chime in. But yeah, it was just, um, you know, I was in a situation where I really needed money and it seemed like the only place I can go to. And it was very benign at first. And I didn't realize how things would cascade as far as the interest, the revolving debt, the revolving loans. And they charge such a huge interest that they just take gigantic chunks out of your paycheck every week on a weekly basis. So with that said, Borrow from friends, starve a little bit, eat a bag of chips. You know, as long as you have a roof over, roof over your head, you'll be okay. Don't ever, under any circumstances, mess with a payday loan. If you're going to be a, get a credit card, make sure you're extremely responsible with your credit card. Know that if you have a $4,000 credit card, or let's say you have a $500 credit card, you have a $500 credit card, your limit is 75 bucks. You really only have 75 bucks because you want to buy things that you can immediately pay off and that's going to shoot your credit score up. And then if you want to go to college, try by all means to get all of the free money that you can. Look for any and every single grant. Look for any 
any and every single scholarship that you can possibly get if you're going to go to college. And also, if you're going to go to college, let's say you did what I did. And you say, you know what? I really love political science. Or you say, you know what? I really love history. So then you do this. You say, okay, I'm going to major in political science or I'm going to major in history, but I'm going to my minor is going to be in IT or my minor is going to be in accounting or my minor is going to be in some type of field where you get a hard skill so that when you come out of out of out of the university, you can actually go out and make money and actually uh, begin to see like a real ROI on your investment. And um, I have way many more financial woes that I'm going to do on part two. I think I'm going to try to have a guest uh, on part two of this. But. All in all, you know, I'm trying to work on my financial literacy. I'm trying to become better each day, educate myself, learn different things about credit, learn different things about mortgages, learn different things about car uh, car loans, um, learn different things about how to use a credit card on um, the benefits of a secured credit card. So um, very quick, and I'm going to let you guys go. If you have a, if you don't have the best of credit, you can get a secured uh, credit card. Um, sometimes they'll require a deposit and it's basically you're using your credit, your money as your credit card. And usually with a lot of the secured cards after about five to six or seven months with continuous consistent payments on time, they usually boost your credit union. I mean, excuse me, they usually boost your credit limit and your credit score will probably shoot up like an additional 20 or 35 points as well. Just something to keep in mind. But once again, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of No Truths Barred. This is episode 10, a short, sweet story of a financial illiterate part one. I thank you guys so much. Take care, much love and respect, and I'll see you guys next week. Peace.